What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Buffalo Fatherhood Initiative Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Sherman Webb Middlebrooks, the lifelong Buffalo resident, full-time black man. I am joined here on this show uh, with my wonderful co-host and some tremendous guests today. I'm going to go ahead and let the folks introduce themselves, starting with the good brother, Antoine Johnson. Go ahead and tell the folks who you are and what it is that you do. What's going on? Um, Antoine Johnson, Buffalo Fatherhood Initiative um, Program Manager at Buffalo Prenatal. We're excited to be here today because we got two special guests with us. Uh, these guys work really hard, especially in the Niagara Falls area. And so, you know, I just want you guys to jump right in, uh, introduce yourselves, and let's talk a little bit about what you all have been doing and how we've been kind of working together around the world. Okay, well, I- Good afternoon, good evening, what have you. Uh, this is William Brinson. I'm the coordinator of Multicultural Student Support Services at Niagara County Community College. Um, I am the program manager for the Men of Merit program, which is sponsored by the Buffalo Fatherhood Initiative, which I do appreciate, and the students as well. Um, been out at Niagara County Community College for 15 years, altogether 30 in higher education. Awesome. Good to see brothers in higher education. And how y'all doing today? My name is Deshaun Swanson. I'm 19 years old, and I'm an accounting major at Niagara County Community College. I'm also here representing the Men of Merit program at the Niagara County Community College. I'm the president, and um, we work through Buffalo Prenatal with Antoine. Yep. Yeah. Good yes, to see sir. you. Yes, working with them numbers and accounting, too. Okay. Yes, All right. <laughs> okay. So, so this, this is going to be good um, because... Will and I, it's funny, funny you know, kind of circumstances surrounding how I, I met him. I went to to Niagara County Community College uh, back around 2014, 2012, 2014. And you were probably uh, one of the few black men that I saw around the campus. Still is. Uh, <laughs> still is, still is, right? Yep. <laughs> um, but then you were also engaging. You were you were interested in the lives of other students too right because i mean there's a you know some brother not every brother is like that right Right. um so so to see you kind of just organically build relationships with students was really cool and obviously you and i kind of hit it off um and one of the the most memorable things i remember you doing for me as a young black student was helping me to transition from the community college to the four year Mm -hmm. at ub and, yes. you know, just the, the connections that you made here. I'm like, man, like, you know, you got some juice, first of all. Um, but the second <laughs> of all, I'm like, you know, I, I really, I knew I knew you and we, you know, cool. But I didn't know you that well, you know, for you to Absolutely. go all out like that. Absolutely. So I really appreciated that. And obviously I was able to graduate and, and, and doing well for myself now. Um, but so that was really cool. So talk to us a little bit about why you do what you do on a higher education level right. and, and so forth. Well, I ended up in higher education 30 years ago. Um, My degree is in business administration. My goal was to work in corporate America. Mm. So I attended Hilbert College. Before I graduated from Hilbert College, they offered me a job in admissions. And I said, listen, I don't have a degree in student personnel or higher education. What they explained to me is that it doesn't matter what your degree is in. What matters is that you're educated. Okay, And because you're educated, we know that you can do an excellent job for us because their minority student population was low. And they knew that I can go out and build relationships with high schools throughout the state of New York, which I did. 
So I helped to boost their minority student population, and not just the minority student population. I was drawing students from rural America, suburban America, and I did such a good job. I'm on the board of trustees at Hilbert, okay. by the way. Whoa. So I was at a meeting last week, and I said, you know what? I'm going to take credit for all that new housing y'all got in the back. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> I kind of increased you know, the student uh, population, not just minority, but overall. So I gave them a two-year commitment. So after two years, I'm going into corporate America. But the work I was doing, I, I, I recognized that I had a positive impact, in particular with students from my community yep. or communities like mine. And there was a need and there was a void, you know, because a lot of us, you know, when we enroll into higher ed or college or what have you, we don't know who to go to. So you kind of trying to fill your way around. So, Antoine, as you experience, I'm going to engage you, okay? I'm not just going to ask how you doing in the classroom. Right. I'm going to ask how you doing, yes, okay? How's everything at home? Because I've been through it. So I, I, I went through it alone because my parents didn't go to college. You understand? My dad only went to seventh grade. He's from Georgia, okay? Moved up here in, the, in 58. Moved up to Buffalo in 58. Him and my mom, they were teenagers. You ain't going to find teenagers doing that today. Yeah. You know, 19 years old, you know, doing it themselves. So, so I felt like, in order for me to help you, I got to get to know you. Yeah. I just can't deliver something to you and not knowing what it is that you need. Yeah. So we would have those conversations. Yeah. And I would have conversations with students daily. I would try to meet at least five to six students a day, new students yeah. a day. So when, when people see me on campus, they say, man, you know everybody. You know everybody. That's, it's important to know everybody because – those are resources. Absolutely. <laughs> Those are resources. So, um, and, you know, uh, Deshaun can share a little bit of, of his story. Uh, he's still there at exactly. NCCC. Go ahead, man. Yeah, so I'm still at NCCC. Um, I'll be finishing up later this year. Um, when I first started in trip, I was definitely, I was a little bit lost. I didn't even know if I still wanted to go through with school. I was thinking about, like, taking a gap year um, after graduating high school in 2021. I, um, I knew what I wanted to do in college, though. I was either going to uh, pick CIS, so that's Computer Information Systems, or accounting. I went with accounting because I kind of came to the realization with computers, you're pretty much going to have to learn coding, and I'm not, I don't like coding. So I, I picked accounting. And um, it's been very cool since, and I, I feel like with Men and Merit and with Mr. Brinson and Antoine, like I found pretty much exactly what I wanted out of college. I wanted to meet up with the group, like like with similar like looking people. Not that they had to be, but it's also it's all uh, it's awesome to have that connection with some of like, my other uh, young black men. I kind of look at them as like my uncles that I never had, uh, sort of say. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been doing some, a lot of fun stuff. You know, we've been traveling. Um, I, they've also helped me like learn a lot about myself and about professionalism and about making connections with people. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say um, that's been some of my big takeaways from, like, being in college so far and being connected with, like, Men of Merit and um, Antoine and Mr. Will. 
one 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 thing about the Men of Merit program is that you know my job, you know, is recruitment and also retention. Yeah. And the Men of Merit has been a blessing on campus. Yeah. And yeah, and the support yes. from the Fatherhood Initiative has been you know a blessing as well. Um, we got almost a hundred percent retention with our Men of Merit members. Right. And our our overall GPA uh, is about a three. Right. It's a three. You know, so, you know, these guys set good examples for others. Mm-hmm. They come in and, you know, if they need assistance as far as tutoring or what have you, we got young men and we have women too. Women too. Yeah, women too is not just <laughs> for men. Yeah. Right, right. We have women too. And, and they support one another. Exactly. Okay. Uh, if they don't understand financial aid, someone else do. So if I help Deshaun understand his financial aid situation, I charge him with helping the next one, help exactly. them yeah. with their financial aid situation. Oh, so I'm I'm curious. Um, so I know there's a Men of Merit program um, at NTRIP. I know there's one at ACC. Like, how does a, a university or institution go about getting a Men of Merit program? Because I went to uh, PWI. I went to Duville College, not the university. Um, and, right, and it was – it was, first of all, it was like seven to two, like women to men ratio. So like I was outnumbered by like women to men and outnumbered like white people to right. black people. That's and it how was it is at a lot crazy of navigating it. And a program like like Men of Merit would have been dope. I had my HEOP counselors, which were like my aunties, but those were like black women. Right. Um, I didn't exactly. really have a strong black. I didn't have any black male presence right. on campus at all. Luckily, I had it in the community, right. so I didn't miss it. I had it in the community, but it would have yeah. been great to have it on campus. So how do other institutions go about getting a Men of Merit well, program? Well, uh, first of all, um, Antoine brought to my attention that Dr. Marvin Wilson had a Men of Merit program at ECC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to him. So when, when, when I found that out, uh, the three of us got together said, how can we start a program at NCCC? Yeah. So Dr. Wilson said, no problem. You know, I can help you do that. So he put together a constitution. He put together a booklet of mentor, you know, how to mentor, um, uh, an application intake form, you know. So when you join, you complete an intake form. And with that, we use that information to try to peer, peer, peer you up, pair you up with a mentor. Yeah. Um, then Antoine came in with support, you know, sponsoring the program. Um, we, we provide, we started having meetings, what, every Friday? Yep, every yep. Friday at 3, every Friday at 3. Um, and it's grown. You know, we yep. started, <laughs> we probably started with like two to three members. Yeah, yeah I think it, I came like after the first semester maybe. I was like there the second or third yeah. uh, semester you guys were around. Yeah. We're one of the strongest programs on campus right. where the president is taking interest in what we're doing. The vice presidents, um, I, even the maintenance crew are interested in what we're doing and appreciate what we do. <laughs> really? you know? Absolutely. Because it's important. Yeah. I, think, I think everyone needs to be influenced in a way and you know, have their eyes open because we're 29% minority. The rest, of the, the rest of the campus is uh, white, predominantly white, yeah. right? Um, and I have these conversations with my white colleagues. Um, they appreciate the fact that 
our members are comfortable speaking to them, and now they're com- comfortable speaking to black students. Mm-hmm. You know, because in order to have a respect for something or someone, you got to know a little bit about them. That's yeah, right. right. Right? You just can't go up to anyone and say, hey, hey man, I got much respect for you. What is it that you respect? Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> you understand? Mm-hmm. So, so having this program on campus and having these young men and women, I can't forget the women, and they're strong in the program, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they are making a difference on campus. So Definitely. long after they're gone, their influence will still be there. Yeah, their, their influence will still be there. So if you have a – if you start a Men of Merit program on a campus – you know, you have to be willing to engage uh, the white population. So, right. so we do, our program is very diverse. Mm-hmm. We have white members, black members, Asian members, Hispanic members. All ages. And, and women, like I said. Mm-hmm. So I get questioned all the time on campus. You know, it's called the Men of Merit. Why don't you change the name? Why, why should I? change the name. It's the men of merit. Well, you have women in the program, but I think the women add something to it. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay? Yeah. As far as what to expect, what do, what do they expect from a man? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we had a powerful session the week before last, a young lady who, I think this is her first time coming there, at least this year. I think um, I remember. Yeah, and she... She didn't look old enough to have been married, but she was she was talking about <laughs> her relationship in the past, right? Like a marriage that she had went through and an adversity and how she overcame that. I'm like, man, like, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And you don't really know these people. Exactly. Um, but, but there was something about the environment where she felt safe and comfortable enough to be vulnerable, right? And I think that that added value to the other people Absolutely. in the room. Absolutely. And, and brother, what was your name again? Sherman. Sherman. And like, like Sherman was saying... Kind of wanted to like go back to it real quick. Um, you're talking about like the seven to two ratio. Mm-hmm. Like there, um, is that like some causes? And I feel like that's like it's literally it's so true. And I feel like that's why Minamaria is so important because like at a college like in trip, you kind of feel like alone being like a black man because it's like like yeah, there may be like black women in college throughout like America, but how much black men are actually going to college and like mm-hmm. and and that not being attached to like football or like basketball or something like that. And especially in the area like Western New York, there's a lot of um predominantly white schools like it's the same case at yeah. NU there's like it's probably like it's like 80 percent 70 percent white women and the other thing is like I'm from the hood so right. like I'm from the hood too. so I'm like from the hood. so like just because <laughs> like live black people on yeah. campus like yeah. don't mean that like we gonna yeah. relate and have things in common just because it yeah. might be black exactly. people on campus so That's like true. black people from my environment from my community exactly. usually ain't walking around the college yeah. campus yeah, so yeah, just exactly. based off of how I was groomed and conditioned exactly. into society like I'm already feeling like exactly we might both be black but like we might not have the same culture come it's, from the same culture exactly. That's what come from the same places living in project housing right damn near moving around all the project housing areas in the city like uh, in and out of them yeah it's one of the main reasons why i do what i do man uh to make sure our people in the from the hood in the hood know that there's an opportunity mm-hmm. out exactly. there exactly. now if i didn't play basketball brother exactly. i probably wouldn't have went to college wow. you uh, understand what i'm saying like yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. you know sure. so so it was important for me to be, be visible my colleagues at work said, why are you still living in that neighborhood? And I'm like, where am I going to go? That's right. right. And everybody in my neighborhood respect me. Mm-hmm. So 
just to give you a little bit of background, Fillmore Leroy, which they refer to Central, as Central Park. I know the brothers from the hood is going to hate it because I don't like referring to it as Central mm, Park. Right, right. Fillmore Leroy, <laughs> where your brother used to hang out, right? Um, that's where I grew up. Now, my, my parents, we could be considered middle class, lower middle class. We weren't struggling for anything. But over the years, the neighborhood changed, okay? Right. And then when the crack cocaine epidemic hit in the 80s, it destroyed our community. And a lot of the friends I grew up with ain't here today, okay? And some of them are just now getting out of prison. You know what I'm saying? Um, from there, you know, there was a little separation. My parents separated <clears throat> when I was like sixth, sixth or seventh grade. They separated. So, of course, I went with my mom because she can cook. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so I, went, I went with my mom, and we moved into the Kensington Bailey community, which was like the suburbs compared to the Fillmore Leroy community. Mm -hmm. You know, now it's not the suburbs. Yeah, okay? All right? It's, it's changed over the years. Then I moved back to Fillmore Leroy when my parents got back together, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm thankful for that. And okay. they, were, they were married for 60 years, brother. Wow. 60 years. So, you know, uh, and then eventually, you know, me and my wife, my wife been together, we've been together since 1989. So you, you bring up um, uh, a topic that I kind of want to um, have us pivot to talking about fatherhood. Mm -hmm. So, but you also brought up like the fact that like your parents are married. And I know like, in the, we're talking about the projects and the projects that I grew up in, like, I think my grandfather and um, my grandma's sister like, so, like, my grandma and my grandma's sister were, like, the only two, like, married women, uh -huh. like, right. in the projects, mm -hmm. right? right? And so, like, we didn't have a whole lot of, like, first of all, like, elders and, and patriarchs. Like, we just had uh, the good brother William Yelder right. on the show. Um, we didn't have a lot of patriarchs in the community. There weren't a lot of husbands. Um, and there weren't a lot of dads. And I came along in, like, the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm just curious to... to to get your thoughts on um, how having your dad in your life may have impacted you and your trajectory as opposed to maybe some of your peers who are no longer here yeah, with us. Yeah, my father, I am my father, 100%. My father is the cornerstone not only of his own family, you know, his, his wife and his children, but of his extended family. My father is one of 11 children. Four, three brothers, seven sisters, and he's in the middle, but everyone looked to my father. So I was explaining to Brother Elder that my father moved up here in 1958. He was a teenager. My mother was a teenager. He purchased a home on DuPont Street right around the corner mm -hmm. in Woodline, four, four apartment building, and he worked his behind off, man. My father got a job managing the Ellicott Square building downtown Buffalo. Black man. Wow. Black man. And how far did he go with education? Seventh that grade. Seventh grade. Yeah, you said that in the beginning. <laughs> seventh grade. You understand? And and he he did that. That was in the 60s and 70s, man. I know. Not an easy time for, like, young black men. To Absolutely. He's a young like fella. That, yeah. mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, wow. Worked his behind off. And he was getting a good salary. Yeah, sorry to um cut off, but I, that's how I feel about some of us like young black men or men of or, or black men of all ages. Like we're really like going against the odds a lot of the time, especially like 
from like where a lot of our ancestors came from. Like we like we're not too far out of slavery. We're not too far out of Jim Crow. So let me put it to you this way. Put it to you this way. It's a testament to the black men in my family, Mm -hmm. where I could track all the way back to my third great grandfather Abraham Brinson, who was born in 1785, Mm. and my great-great-great-grandmother, Amanda Potter. They were slaves in North Carolina, what have you, you know. But I can track and feel the impact of all those men, those great men, mm-hmm. when they had my great-great-grandfather, Jim, my great-grandfather, Wesley, my grandfather, Jim, my dad, me, and I'm here. And I can stand right. on that. Right. You understand what I'm that's, saying? Wow. That's that strength. I can I'm feel jealous. It. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. And I can't think of no other feeling. So, I'm, so, I'm so, jealous. So, so, so I tell you, don't be jealous. Mm. Start right now. Yeah. So absolutely. 100 years from absolutely. now, you know what I'm absolutely. saying? They say Sherman Middlebrook. Yeah. Is it Brooks or Brooks? Brooks. Brooks. Because yep. I know some middle Brooks. Yeah. Yeah, Fillmore, Leroy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. More likely my family. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So so my father was everything to me, man. My father was everything to the community. He hired people. He eventually ran his own business. He had he had it so good that he managed the Ellicott Square building and ran a painting company at the same time. Mm-hmm. So wow. he hired people from Cold Spring, from Fillmore, Leroy, the West Side. Downtown Perry projects, yeah, all that. You know what I'm saying? And he worked his behind off. And he, you know, he passed away a few years ago. I think he would have little, lived a little bit longer if he didn't have so much on it on his shoulders. Because, yeah, and so that's why the men and merit is so important to me, so that I could take some of some of the, uh, some of it off my shoulders Amen. and give Amen. it to these young brothers. Say and that. y'all go out in the community and y'all do the same thing. That's why you say we so we're, we're soaking it up. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I you know. When I when I'm an I'm an academic advisor also, okay. so my advisees when they come to me, they be like, "Thank you, Mr. Brinson. Thank you, Mr. Brinson. You ain't gotta thank me. You work for me now." <laughs> I love it. You know? I love it. <laughs> so I like that. This has been really good. Um, and I was hoping that you got into talking about like your your ancestors and everything because when you had that conversation with me a few weeks ago, I'm like, man, like that's deep. You don't hear hear a lot of men. Right. Talking about right. that, right? Like they're right. patriarchs, people that they knew. I can't, I don't know who my father's father is, right? right. I know. It sounds crazy compared yeah. to what you just said. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate you um, saying those things. Just in the interest of, you know, where we are right now with time, with time um, I want to throw that, the keep toss ad out to both of you and Deshaun. Mm. What are some things when you think about your fathers, what you would keep, what you would toss, and what you would add? to your own father and experience, Deshaun, is when you become a father, because, you know, you're still, you know, working through, your, you know, you're not a father yet. Right. Say amen. So, <laughs> so, 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 so uh, and I'm going to keep it 100. My father was an alcoholic. You understand? He was a loving alcoholic. He was a fun alcoholic. He wasn't a mean alcoholic, but he was an alcoholic. I would toss that. Okay. Okay. Um, I did a lot of drinking myself, man, you know, coming up as a youngster in high school and everything. And um, that's a whole nother story. We could talk about that some other time. But uh, what I would keep, I would keep the majority of what my father was, man. Um, if I could take in everything other than being an alcoholic, uh, I'll take it all, bro. You know, um, and, you know, and a lot of credit goes to my mom, too. Because uh, they worked very well together, um, they wouldn't have been married for sixty years. They separated for about two, two, 
two years, but they came back together. Mm-hmm. They knew what was up. <laughs> you know, they knew what was up. And so, so keep toss, toss, and yep, and add. Yep, what would you add? I I already did. I, so what I added. My father loved women. Okay. <laughs> okay. You understand? He loved women. Um, I've been faithful to my wife since '89. Wow. Since ni- 1989. Wow. I was born in so, so, so that's the only way you can build. And and if my father was more faithful, we would have had a mansion on a hill. Mm-hmm. But he gave himself to so many people, okay. you know, and not just the women, but just the community, mm-hmm. you know, where it wore him out, you know. And like I said, he probably would still be alive today. But, wow. you know, he was amazing, man. He, he was friends with uh, you know, he had friends in, in, in Congress. He had friends in in uh, the, the uh, judicial system. Mm-hmm. He had friends on the block. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So so how that affected me? You know how that affected me? Because I knew what we didn't have, because I was in the presence of attorneys in their homes. You understand what I'm saying? And judges and so forth. And then I come back to my community. We didn't go without, but my friends didn't have much. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, this ain't right. So in third grade, they called my mom and said, you know what? You need to come in because your son won't stand for the Pledge of Allegiance to the, fl- uh, to the flag, right? The original company. Yeah. Third grade, man. She brought this to my, I didn't know this, you know? Right. And, and uh, when she met with my teacher, and my teacher explained to her how I was rebelling. I didn't know I was rebelling. I remember when the cop cars were black and white and how they used to beat people in my community. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I felt a certain kind of way. Mm. So that's why I knew I had to do make a difference, man. Yeah. Make a difference. You know, this is the first time I've ever been aired. Okay. You understand me? Okay. Right. Because Malcolm X said, keep it under the radar. You want to get anything accomplished and done, don't let people know. Let's just true. do it. I'm that's about like action. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm about like action. You understand true. what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why you don't see me out in the community receiving awards because people don't know what I do. So somebody right. need to give you an award. I don't yeah, need an yeah, award. You definitely need one. Because y'all my award, bro. I, I think that's why we... we Something tells me one is going to be coming. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I well, um, I, I think that's why we relate so well, though, because you, you're, you're a man of action, right? Like... And, and I feel similar. But same question for you, Deshaun. What would you keep? What would you toss? What would you add in your fathering experience when that time comes? Right, man. Where could I start? Um, I'll say my father, he was, man, he, he's a natural-born hustler, man. He's a commander. He's like, he's literally, he's one of the most punctual people I know. He's very particular about everything. Clean freak. Like, that's, like, that's the type of person that he is. Um. He's the son of a pro boxer, Calvin Porter. Uh, y'all can look into him if y'all like. I know. Um, from Niagara Falls, and um, mm. he definitely he had a rough he had a rough upbringing, man. He was in and out of um, like homes and jail, like you know. Well, he was in and out of homes like since what like he was like probably like 12, 13, teenage years, in and out of jail a few times in his twenties and stuff like that. But I feel like it um. Him going to the home, he said it kind of it helped him. He was reading a lot of books and he was learning a lot, and it kind of it kept him from uh, doing like long jail terms. Like he's been out, in and out of jail just for like small stuff, never really served jail time. 
But I would say, um, yeah, he's definitely he's a commander, man, a hustler. Uh, he used to be, a, you know, quote unquote, dope boy. You know, um, I would say the best qualities um, I could like take from him is just being like a punctual person. Uh, he taught me a lot about financial freedom, a lot about like money and just um, like really becoming a man that could like provide for himself and for his like for his family. I would say um, that's definitely a quality I would keep. Um, it was a keep toss in that. Uh, yep. um, I would say toss uh, the anger issues. I, I wouldn't say he has anger issues, but I feel like we all know how like men can get. Definitely. Um, I, yeah, I did have him in my household for most of my childhood. There's there's time and periods where him and my mother weren't together, but I feel like they tried to hold things together for me and my two brothers. So yeah, I would definitely I would, I would say I'd toss like the aggression, and then I would add like peace of mind because I feel like that's what he be needing like some peace of mind, like sort of say. But yeah, my dad he a cool dude. He, he chill. He definitely he has his ways, but good dude. That, that's where you get it from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, seem pretty he did chill. A good job. Yeah. yeah, he yeah, did yeah, a good job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel like um, I definitely like grew up to be a, like a lot like him. I, I don't even like really think I would, but like growing <laughs> up as a kid, I definitely like I looked up to him a lot. Like if there was something that he was telling me, if there was something that he was teaching me, I really like paid attention because I like I know he not just talking out his ass. Excuse me, like I know he would. He wasn't just telling me something, and it didn't mean it much. And um, or for the ad, I would actually say, I would add transparency because because mm-hmm. growing up, you know, you, you know, your uncle, your father, someone, they might be telling you something, but they not be, they might not be telling you, oh, I went through the same thing. Mm. Oh, I'm telling you not to do this because I went through the same thing. I, I done yeah. I done did this. I feel like if my dad was more transparent, it was like. Yo, don't do this because the same thing happened to me. I wouldn't have done certain. I wouldn't have went like, like down certain streets because I'd be like, Yo, my dad, my dad told me he dead ass went through the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like there was still a lot of things I had to figure out myself because I didn't really. He wasn't super transparent. He was like kind of just like the oh like like he would tell you shit, but he wouldn't he wouldn't say like he went through that shit. Yeah, like it, it was my mom who was really just like transparent. Like that was really huh? telling yeah. me. I interesting. Relate to that. That's powerful. Interesting. Really powerful. Yeah. Well, that's our time. Uh, we appreciate you fellas being here. Um, this was this was a powerful session um, for us as we are kind of capping off the semester, you know, for 2023. So we appreciate you guys uh, being here. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Man, appreciate you, you guys having us. Yeah. Definitely. This was an awesome experience. Yeah, shout out to everybody out there who's supporting the Men of Merit program and to all the funders and and philanthropist organizations out there. um, They can also use your support. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Drop some money on them. Yes, sir. Today, uh, we're excited because my co-host Sherman and I are going to get into a conversation with a gentleman that we look to as a patriarch. Uh, He's done a lot of good stuff in the community, and we're going to talk about it today. Uh, He's actually being highlighted for Father of the Month for the month of March. So let's get into it.
First of all, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, why don't you uh, give the folks, uh, you know, your, your name, some of your background, and talk to us a little bit about what's so special about being honored as Father of the Month. Okay. My name is William Yelder, Y-E-L-D-E-R. Um, I was raised without a father in my life. And uh, I really didn't realize that I needed one because my mother took took over the reins, and I uh, think she did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I met um, Terry, had been in high school. I do a lot of community work. And um, he was telling me about nurturing fathers. And all my life, I wanted to be with a group of men that could just come out and have a waiting to exhale party. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I've always believed that men have emotions and that we should share our emotions. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be afraid to let people know that we cry, we hurt, we have pain too. Because so many times in the way the world is going is showing the man as being Hercules and Superman. And if you show emotions, you're a weak man. My thing is, if you show emotions and you cry, you're a strong man. Because you need to have those emotions in order to be better for yourself and others. Um, throughout my life, I've been known as... A mentor, even when I was little, um, coming up here in this area right here, Cold Spring, um, I was sitting on my porch reading a book, everybody be playing around, and uh, a gentleman at the CEO, um, Charlie Perkins, he came to me and he said, you're a leader. Mm. And I'm like, no, I'm not no leader. That boy, that man right there, that boy right there that throw the football and could run and catch it and could jump on top of the basket, all the girls love him. He's the leader. He said, no, you leader in people. He's a leader in games. And that stuck with me because what would happen, you and I are best friends, and you will bring somebody over there, and you'll say, hey, Will, uh, tell him that I'm right and he's wrong. So I would listen to whatever, and then i say, hey, Anton, I'm sorry, man. Mm -hmm. You're wrong. You're my man, but you're wrong. Mm -hmm. I've always been known as someone who's been fair. I was raised to tell the truth and always be fair. Okay. And joining Nurturing Fathers, when I went um, to the first meeting, uh, I was a little hesitant to open up because, again, as a man, you're not going nowhere to open up. Mm -hmm. So they would ask me questions. They would say different things. And some things I agreed with, some things I didn't. Mm -hmm. But I said, I'm going to stick it out because there's something good here. Mm -hmm. And... um, I went through the first class, and I liked the way that men started opening up about their feelings and not being ashamed to say, hey, I hurt too. And what I found out is that we all hurt the same. But here I am with a group of men who's willing to share the hurts, the feelings, the love, the crying, the tears, and we're all going through the same thing, and we all keep it bottled up. But here's a group or an organization where we can get out and actually be ourselves. I enjoyed it so much that I came for the second lesson. Mm -hmm. And during that second lesson is really when I started opening up and started being myself and started explaining why I do what I do. Um, Everybody has a life story. Everybody has worth. Everybody matters. And with Nurturing Father, it 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 was just so exciting to be sitting there and listening to other men you didn't even know about. Yeah. And hearing him talk to his stories, seeing the cries, the tears that we shed. But it was all about building up. I get very emotional. Yeah. 
And um, I was talking to someone, they were like, oh, you crying? I said, yeah, but don't take them tears for weakness. Mm -hmm. There's strength mm -hmm. behind them tears. Because sometimes as a man, you get so involved with what you're doing that you want to show that emotion. Right. But you don't want nobody to come and say, oh, you're weak and why are you crying? Uh. And I've learned over the years, the best thing to do is to show your emotion. Yeah. Uh, we've got too much to give. And there's too many young people out there that was raised like me without a father in their life. Yeah. So I also a co-founder of a charity school. Well, well, really quick, before you go there, um, and, and Sherman, if you got any questions, jump in too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you, you talked a little bit about how, how you were raised. But can, can you go back there for us a little bit in terms of whether or not you grew up with your father? You ju I just heard you say you didn't. So t tell us a little bit about that and how that, that, that translated or made you kind of the man you are today, the, the leader. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I, I do kind of want to build on that. Were there any, like, specific moments um, that come to mind probably before the age of, like, 9 or 10 um, that impacts who you are today? Well, during that time, um, my father never lived with us. I knew I had a father. But my mother always told me that you got to be strong, you got to take care of yourself, you are somebody. You know, what you don't have, you can't miss what you don't have. She never explained to me why they wasn't together. And as a child of 73 years old, and back then, you didn't ask, right. you know. Um, I remember going to school eight, and I was in the fourth grade. And they had Father Sunday at school, you know, where the father comes to school. And I was like, man, I wish I had a father to take me there. My oldest brother was in prison. Uh, he was in the Attica riots, got out before the riots. My younger brother, which is a year younger than me, started the Fillmore Allard Turks, the gang war. I did my dirt, too, but at the age of 18, I wanted to be a man. But growing up at that young age, what I realized, I was poor and we were on welfare. And I wanted to make a difference in my life. And my mother wanted to make a difference. I thought I was getting treated bad, but come to find out, she was grooming me to be a giver, to be, uh, you can say, an enforcer, but to always tell the truth, whether it hurts you or not, to be honest. Um, I saw my father three times up until, like, the age of 14. He lived in Niagara Falls. I told him one time, must have been about 10 years old, hey, Mom, I want to see my dad. Okay, I'm going to call him. He's in Niagara Falls. He came. He got me and my sisters and mother, brother, and I went to his house, and we stayed twice and the interaction between me and him was he would go to the bar because he lived over a bar he would take us and we would sit at the table playing games eating chips and drinking soda and he would be at the bar getting pissy ass drunk mm. um, I realized then that if that's what a man is that's not what I want to be mm. I didn't hate him because I never missed him right but what it did for me was made me realize that I'm better than where you're at. Where you're at does not determine where you're going. That's another thing my mother always preached. Amen to that. So uh, really quick, just, um, you know, in the interest of, of where we are, um, I want to I want to say this and then kind of kind transition us, um, you know, toward the end. But one of the things that we talk about in Nurturing Fathers is like this concept of keep, toss, add, yep. right? We, we keep some things that we might have saw from our fathers. I struggle with that effort. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I want to keep from my father, right? Um, you know, the things that we're going to toss, so the, the piece that you just talked about with the bar, but then things that we want to build on. And so I kind of heard a little bit of that in there. 
um, let's, let's kind of end on that in terms of the, you know, last piece. But, but what about what I just said kind of uh, resonates with you in terms of what you just shared with us? You know, um, there was a gentleman. In fact, I'm going to tell you about two gentlemen. Um, I would go to my friend's house and had the father and the mother. Mm-hmm. The father would be beating them up, drunk, talking mad, nasty. I never experienced that with the single house. And I asked one of the guys, and he was an upstanding citizen in the community, if he would be my mentor. And uh, he cussed me out. Wow. No, I've got my own kids. I don't need to be your MF and, you know, go find your daddy. Wow. At that point in time is when I realized I'm going to be better than him or anybody else. I believe that I had worth. The gentleman that I told you about told me you were a leader among men. He would sit at his office and look at me every day. And uh, he got me involved with going to the March in Washington. Here you go get all the kids involved. Mm -hmm. I had him to look up to. Mm -hmm. And uh, since then, I've always put others before me. Now, what I've got from my father, I don't know. Uh, People have told me, would your life have been better if your father was in your life, and I tell them, if you drove a Rolls Royce instead of that trailblazer, would you be feeling better? Well, I don't know. Then I don't know either. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times, being single without a father in your life, people try and make it seem like you're lower than anything and you never can amount to anything. Mm-hmm. In this day and time, there's so many young people out there. Nurturing fathers, we had young men who are raising their kids. And they're single, and I am so proud of the fact mm-hmm. that Nurturing Fathers has provided an opportunity in a way, sort of a guide yeah. for them to come in and ask questions, yeah. for them to come in and be inquisitive and to look towards us for answers. Yeah, yeah in fact, we had a guy that was about 17, 18 yes. in, in the last group, so that yes. was really cool. Um, listen, blessings to you. I, I'm so glad that you were here to be vulnerable and transparent and authentic. Um, that's one of the reasons why I believe the guys nominated you as Father of the Month, because they look to you as a leader among men, right? Yeah. So thank you. And I want to thank you guys, and I want to thank Nurturing Fathers for giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. We appreciate you every time that you pull up and engage. Um, just we, just one of the other concepts we talk about in the program is like the boy, the man, and the patriarch. Um, and so many times we don't get to see many models of a patriarch. Um, and I, I do come from a generation that a lot of the, the brothers and men don't really get a chance to heal um, right. and don't really talk that language of healing it and reflecting. And so I just want to commend you and thank you for setting a model of, of what it looks like um, to heal, um, no matter whether you're a boy, a man, or a patriarch. So appreciate you for setting that example. Thank you, guys. Amen thank that. you for having me. All right.